This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Thank you so much for joining us, obviously. Uh, I've got Terence yeah, yeah. and, and, and Matt, who is, also, is going to be called Albert for the sake of this interview. That's going to confuse Matt. That's, le- that's legal purposes, Dougie. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about <laughs> it. No problem. <laughs> um, but obviously, yeah, fantastic to get a chance to speak to you. And um, we're, we're, the best place to start for, for us, I think, is uh, was you at the uh, FA Cup final as a, as a Palace supporter I with was. your family? I was. I am. Uh, my two, well, my, my all my kids are Palace fans. My two young boys in particular, who have been going to Palace, obviously for the reasons I've been going for many years, uh, promised them if they get to the final, take them. So we did. We taken them. Uh, fantastic day. Really enjoyed it. Disappointing result. I had to pick the kids up after the game and explain to them nothing always goes your way, <laughs> but. You know, I thought it was, a, it was a, a fantastic occasion. Palace fans, as they did, especially at Wembley, never let themselves down. Uh, the game could have went either way. And unfortunately for us, it just didn't quite go all the way. It did remind me, well, listen guys, I don't know the dates. I'm, I don't really like to look back at all. But when I first walked out at Wembley many years ago for Palace against Leicester, and, the, and, and I'd never experienced Crystal Palace against Wembley. I never knew what it was all about. I just thought I played, the, I played for the club at Sellers Park. That's what it is. I walk up at Wembley against Leicester in the 19th, I'm guessing, 96, whatever it was, final, uh, the championship final, and the fantastic atmosphere really taking my breath away a little bit. And it reminded me of that. It reminded me that I was right into the palace end. It was a great occasion. Uh, obviously, it was disappointing at the end, and I did feel for, for the you know, for the palace players in terms of, you know, they gave everything, but, you know, as a day for me and my family, really enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, we're struggling to get over the heartbreak, I think. And mm. it's, I mean, you talk about uh, playing mm. Leicester at Wembley as well, and um, Claridge, Claridge's shin comes to mind. That was another day that was the same. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, I do know how it is as a, as a, as a player there. It is devastating. I see some of the, the, the lads after the game sort of move disappointed and understand them. But, and it is a real hard one to go over. Real, real hard one to go over. But, you know, I, I'm sure in this interview... You get to know him a little bit. I, I'm not really a guy that looks back. You know, I, I kind of think to myself, well, you know what? Premiership safety, uh, strong team, FA Cup finalist. You know, I mean, guys, let's just think back four or five years ago when it was 
it wasn't that. So I'm a kind of guy that looks forward, disappointing as it was. Loads more to come, loads of encouraging signs. Players are still young, you know, got a young group of players there. So it is, uh, for me, exciting times uh, to be to, 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 to be where the Crystal Palace is. Yeah, Dougie, a lot has been made of the, um, the refer- some of the refereeing decisions in that game. I mean, I, I don't see what Palace could have done more tactically, to be honest, to, to give a better impression of themselves. Is there anything you might have done differently from, from, a, from a team point of view, or can we really look at that refereeing performance and well, I, get some blame no, on that? Listen, I don't, no, I don't, I won't, I'm not even interested in the referee. That's no. Remember, one of my managers of our football club, I try my best not to talk about referees because it's, it's, you know, they're in a very, very difficult decision decision-making process to make. It's a cup final. I think overall, you know, I don't know what ones you're talking about, but we can go through them. I ain't really interested how we talk about I think to myself, if I talk about Crystal Pass, the football team, Al Paz has said to me very well. Only he knew what he asked in his team, and, and, and his team delivered that, uh, whatever he asked for. If you're asking me personally, I don't think there's a lot more they could have done. I think I would even, I think, a little bit more hold-up play for the, from the boy corner up front would have been more helpful for them. Uh, I thought Sarhan Balassi taking too long to get into the game. Once they were into the game after 25 minutes, they really started really pushing Man United back. So really, you know, that, that was the that was the disappointment of the first half. But created opportunities, defended very well. Uh, goalkeeper looks like goalkeeper looks like he's getting better every time. Two fullbacks look reasonably solid lots of pluses guys it's a cup final it could have went either way they gave it everything the fans gave it everything it is disappointing but I think the big scheme of things as I say to you guys Premiership says the FA Cup final you know they are heading in the right direction I think uh, yeah I think we all agree with that on the whole don't we boys despite the disappointment yeah yeah and I'll be, I think we'll be a little bit more philosophical about it in a couple of weeks <laughs> Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, know. you will be, guys. You, you will be. But you know, if you actually pull back a little bit, you know, and I think that's where no, my advice. That's wrong. My 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 knowing of Crystal Palace is just let's not just try and run a little bit. Let's just walk a little bit. Let's just one step at a time. You know, now that's the third season of the Premiership, uh, being in the FA Cup final. You know, let's let's just keep on moving forward. Is 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 be my thinking. You know, hopefully. You know, these guys get good signings in the summer. Build on what you had. Keep fit Barassi, keep fit Asaha. You know, I thought Mary Jedinite once again was, you know, was a man mountain in the middle of the park. Yeah, you, you're going to get better. Just keep on adding the quality. Okay. Well, unless uh, Terence has got anything on that, I'll um, I'll move on to uh, talking a little bit about you at the, um, at the start of your of your life, really, and, and what you did there. Terence, anything? Um, talking of signings, any recommendations? You've brought some good <laughs> ones in. Yeah, again, I've got lots of recommendations, but I don't. It's just difficult because you don't know. I don't see Crystal Palace week every case. I don't really know what you know what what needs improving. Uh, you know, it's difficult with the budgets, things like that. You know, I'd add a different. We mean Steve Palace and the ball sat down at the beginning of the summer. We we were playing from a different ball game. You know, we were playing on the you know, cut on the ground here and there, and 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 making the free transfers and wheeling and dealing a little bit. You know, I think the the, 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 the games change a little bit in terms of what what market you're looking in. And then for, unfortunately for myself, I'm not in that market, <laughs> and that's just so. Therefore, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't know that. But look, I would I would 
I would always recommend the right characters, you know, if you can. Neil Warlock said to me one time, true story, he gave me the job doing the reserves uh, at Crystal Palace, and I was still playing at the time, and, and I was doing the reserves, and he sent me scouting one day, and he said, go, go and find me a winner. And I said to him, naively, what, what position? What? He said, just go and find my winner. And I said, well, Gaffer, what does a winner look like? He said, if you don't know what a winner looks like, then you won't be a manager. So three or four games later, I'm thinking, I wonder what you're looking like. I wonder what you really mean. Do you understand you know, what, what, what he was coming from, what, what he meant? And then that is where I seen Damien Delaney. And Damien Delaney at the time was playing at Ipswich, and I thought, right, I understand what it means. Technically not brilliant. You know, pace-wise, okay, but he's a winner, and he got his head and everything, and he won everything. And that—that that is where that story comes from. From me, won't tell me that. So, Crystal Palace in the summer, my suggestion: go and send a couple of winners, go and send a couple of people that want to actually improve the football club and the football team and move up. That's—that would be my suggestions. That sort of ties into my sort of next question for you, Dougie. Looking at the <laughs> looking at the the side that started the FA Cup final, you know, a lot, a lot of those players were, were brought in by yourself, and you know, have been there ever since. Does that does that give you a sense of pride? You know, it's almost like a, in a paternal way, seeing that come to fruition. Oh, listen, I'm very, very proud of, very proud. You know, listen, not just me, big Tony Popovich at the time, Cut Slim at the time, Lenny Longs, David Slanders, my, my scout, trusted scout at the time, and three or four of us. You know, we really, really worked hard to to bring in players. Yeah, listen, not, they're not all success. There was one or two that didn't quite make the grade. And listen, and, and I've got to give Steve Paris a lot of credit for that because we bounced ideas off each other in terms of, you know, what we could bring in and on budget and, you know, looking at maybe sellable assets and things like that. So we, we, I am very proud of, you know, the, the job that was done in terms of recruitment and coming away from... I kind of relegation side in fact you know that's I'm very proud of that and you know that's 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 something of you know moving the club away in terms of signings and I'm, I'm happy with you know and, and that, that and, and that's the that's the only thing I'll kind of look back on seeing certain players listen Joe Ward guys and I've seen Joe Ward he's the number 10 for Portsmouth I've seen Joe Ward they played number 10 and my scouts said to him do you think we can do you think we can be a replacement for Kleine and, and they looked at him four or five times. Every time I watched him play, he was a number 10 or a centre midfielder. So, you know, to to make that call and buy Joe Ward and, and start to turn him out of right back was, you know, that's that's these small things, guys. Yeah, I, I am proud of that. Okay, great. All right, so uh, I'm going to steam in now and ju- jump us back to um, to your to your early life, really. Uh, what what was it that first made you want to become a footballer, Dougie? <laughs> That's all you done when I when I grew up. That's that's what you done. You know you watch you know Kendra Gleish and people like that. Uh, you know that that you know that, that's what you done. Growing up in Glasgow in the, in the concrete streets, you know there wasn't there wasn't a lot to do. I, I played. I had a little bit of little bit of natural ability, and I kind of just as I grew up older, my teenagers, I kind of. You know, knew what it was like. I enjoy actually training. I enjoy the training aspect of it and walking. So that kind of helped me through, you know, through certain parts of football. And lucky enough to get the opportunity to leave, play for Scotland Schoolboys. The only reason I got that is because again, trained very hard most nights. You know, running whatever it was, and got the opportunity to come to Queens Park Rangers. Spent 
again, guys, you're asking me, you're asking me stuff that I don't really like to look back. Spent four years there, learning from Don Howe, Dave Sexton, and Roger Cross, Bobby Bobby Ross. A 16-year-old lad coming from Glasgow who natural ability, little bit fitness, but not any coaching. To get coached by Don Howe, then later on Jerry Francis and Roger Cross was Mike Kelly, Des Dopin was pretty much what made me. This is why, guys, I'm a huge believer in coaching, huge believer in it, you know, and how you coach. And, and Chris, apart from the fact I've got a fantastic philosophy, you know, obviously I know inside out, I've been coaching the 12, 13s right up to the reserves in the first team. That, and, and Gary, as I understand it as well, how you actually train them and how the week's scheduled and how it's the four training sessions you do a week, you know, there's, I don't know if it's changed now, but when I was there for a long, long time, at least two of them, and Wilfred learns this way, at least two of them, are, you've got to play with freedom. You've got to play in the cages, you've got to get knocked, you've got to get up, you've got to get beat, you've got to win. You've got to just play natural football. The other two nights are dedicated on coaching, on, you know, positions, on technical ability in that position you need, on structure of a team. And then as you start getting through 14, 15, 16, you learn the importance of playing within a team and when to release it and when to not. The two of them go hard in hand. Well, when I come at 16, I had the natural ability in the streets, running around playing, beating everybody and things like that. The Don Hounds of this world, God bless them, Dave Sexton's told me the importance, Roger Cross, the importance, and Jerry Fancy, the importance of a team structure and what is needed in certain, certain uh, situations within that team on and off the ball. Guys, that gave me a great opportunity and a great learning curve. And all I really done from 16 to 19 was train, double session. Again, it's not feeling sorry for me because I actually loved it. Train, morning, train afternoon, eat, go to bed. Times that by three years, guys, and I mean that. Wake up at 19, three years later, feeling, you know, you've got an opportunity to, to have a career and have a living. Didn't quite make it Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, I will rattle on a little bit here because I always find this story fascinating. I went, Jerry Fancy told me that there was, Dougie, we're, we're going to give you a new contract. Uh, I refused to sign it. I wanted to play first team football, so he said to me, okay, I've done a deal with seven clubs, Crewe, Cambridge, Fulham, Barnet, whatever the time, seven of them. I went and spoke to Fulham, and at the time was managed by Ray Lewington. Okay? So I've decided I'm going to leave Queen's Park Rangers to play football. I've, 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 I've spoke to a few few managers. I've, I've spoke to Ray Lewington. I decide I'm going to join them. I go on a week's holiday, and uh, when I come back, Ray Lewington's went to Crystal Palace. So I ended up going to Barnet for a year, scored a few goals, and a year later, come to Crystal Palace with Ray Lewington in charge, buying me for X amount of money. And that's how the journey started. Fantastic. How much has um, the approach of people like uh, like Don Howe changed? Well, you know, coaches today that much different? Oh, very, very good question. Uh, yeah, there is different different coaches. There are there is different coaches now. You see, the game is more tactical, and uh, so you'll get coaches a little bit take themselves a little bit too serious. And I'm one of them. Don't get me wrong, especially Christian Palace too much self-importance, too much seriousness. That's something that I've learned over the years that you've got to maybe be a little bit more humble in terms of 
how what you're doing. In fact, coaches back then were coaches, and I mean that that were tracksuit training ground day in day out with kids from 16 to the first team players. Remember the first team players I had players like Les Ferdinand, Mark Falco, Roy Weather, Ray Wilkins, Andy Sitton. Paul Parker, there was a fantastic group of players that Don Howe would integrate younger players with and coach them and have that real passion. I think a coach's role these days is, well, a manager's role, you've got that much to manage. It's you, you pretty much, it's a relief when you get your tracks on and go into coaching. And, I, and I'm a big believer in bringing in sporting directors of this country because, you know, how I go back to fair about coaching. Now, you know, if you, if you if that's in your if you if you're a teacher or a coach deep down, you want to go on the training ground. There's so many aspects of football these days that keep you away from it. Uh, and that happened at Bolton, and, and it certainly happened at Northern Forest. Where I have to spend more of my time in the office of Alan actually coaching. And and thankfully, when I was at Crystal Palace, we were just growing. That administration, there was not a lot to deal with. To be honest, with you. what there was to deal with, Phil Alexander dealt with it. Steve Parish touched on certain things that needed to be corrected. And I was just out either scouting or coaching. Uh, so, so, so certainly, to actually answer your question, Don Howe was the start of me actually learning about what coaching is. Now, everybody could do a training session, but there's a difference between a training session and a coaching session. Training sessions, guys, you put the players on the door, the whistle, and you let them run around and play and have a good time, which there is some points of the season that's needed. And there's coaching sessions where it's structured and you're working a team, you're working in... You know, you want to try to get everybody to think the same way. You're making sure everybody understands on and off the ball. Uh, and there were certain aspects in the game I seen on Saturday. You know, a very, a very well-drilled Crystal Palace team. You know, you've got good characters in there that understand the game as well, which, 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 which helps as well. You know, when when certain certain times get tough. Definitely. Okay. Cheers for that. Um, just want to give the Albert or Terence a chance to jump in there before I move us on a little bit. Yeah, when you first came to Palace, did you did you have any sort of preconceptions of the club? You know, obviously you came, you know, a few years after what would be deemed our golden period. Did you have any sort of preconceptions? Uh, Nineteen ninety three, Ian Wright scored against Christ, uh, against Queens Park Rangers, and I was in the stand as an apprentice. He was jumping on the cages after the one goal. I thought, all oh, right, he's not bad. Him, it's a good team. Where is it, South London? That particular year, I played against the youth team, the Palace youth team. So, you know, I knew of, I knew of them. I knew who the players were. I knew actually a couple of years before, you know, what they were doing. And as you say, the golden kind of years, I knew what they were all about. Uh, when I went to <laughs> when I went to sign, I got a phone call on the I don't know, during the week, Tuesday night, let's say. say from the Barnet chairman saying, listen, they've just sold you to Crystal Palace. Uh, you know, and I'm talking guys nearly midnight, they've just sold you to Crystal Palace. You've got to be down there for a medical at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, I was living in West London at the time. I had a map out, sat and I wasn't even born yet, guys. I had, this, I had a map. <laughs> I was looking, I was thinking, Jesus Christ. So the first time I actually thought, well, how, this is quite far, was when I actually was getting, so I knew the team, but this is quite far. Needless to say, I was two hours late. I walked in, I was running in 25, I was two hours late, guys went there, and I walked in, and Ron Lowe said to me, where have you been? And I, 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 not, yeah, maybe a little bit cheekily, but not in this way, said, you're lucky I'm here. Ron knows <laughs> ready the eyebrows, and Ron knows, the truth is, Ron knows the ready the eyebrows, and give a little chuckle, and said, I, I, I like that, son, sit down. 
<laughs> and now we've actually needed the M25 traffic, so anyway, that, that, that's how we started. And he actually, we, we always actually kept in touch with him right up until unfortunately he died because of that that moment. We always went back to that little moment. That's great. That's, that's Guys, if I'm rambling on too much, just cut No, no, the, tr- the trouble you're going to have is we're going to be sitting here in, in silence, transfixed with what you're saying. Because <laughs> now um, it's, it's brilliant stuff. Sorry, Darren, let's go. Nice. Um, when you did come, 20 goals in the first season, were you surprised with how successful you were after making the big step up? No, no guys, I was, um, again, you know, not a lot of people do. And I don't do this kind of interviews of this, you know, but, uh, you know, when, the, when a very dear friend, huge Crystal Palace fan asked me last week, you know, would, would I touch on you guys? I thought the time you might be right just to sort of, you know, maybe open up a little bit. I was, maybe still, I'm very, very confident person, especially when I was on the pitch. You know, I was young, I was very, very fit. I'd come from the back of playing in Queen's Park Rangers with wonderful players. People don't forget that, you know, I trained with players, guys. You know, Lance Ferdinand, as I say, Paul Parker, and the centers. it was international players. So when I went to Barlett for a year and scored a few goals that year, I come to Queen's Park very, very confident. Ray Lewington, Stevie Cutler was in the background at the time. Peter Nicholas was there. It was a, a kind of, it was a very relaxed atmosphere, and I kind of enjoyed that a little bit. You know, a couple of my mates there, David Hopkins, were there, so I was very confident uh, in my ability. I hadn't scored for a few games, I don't think, until I turned up, and then, you know, when I got a couple of goals, I was very confident. Crystal Palace fans, I don't know what happened, but right from the off, you know, we had a fantastic relationship. Uh, you know, and I don't really know where it was born from. I just, I just really felt at home. Uh, I, I believe in that. I like my style, so therefore, you know, I enjoy playing there. And uh, and I kind of, and I was a bit cocky, so that kind of, that kind of, and one, I was never really afraid of. I'm never really surprised. Hopefully, it didn't come across guys too uh, arrogant, but that's how it was back then, or it's maybe still is. Obviously, you've got to have that degree of confidence to, to succeed in football, haven't you? You see it a lot of mm. people, a lot of players with tremendous amount of talent, but if they don't quite have that, that bit extra, they don't, they don't succeed, do they? And I think yeah. the, sort of, the sort of player that you were, Dougie, you know, you were very technically, you know, what I would call a flair player. You know, you were very mm. you know, technically astute, but you, were, you always tried something, you know, a, a, a bit special. And, you know, you, I think you have to, yeah. Chris says, you have to have that confidence to try and pull those things off. I think we're seeing something yeah. similar with Zaha and Balassi. Listen, guys, and for all the young listeners out there, practice, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't something, listen, there's a little bit of ability there, but there was a practice and practice and practice. Then when you practice, you're confident that, you know, in situations you can, you know, you can control the ball or you can pull the ball down. Or, you know, and that's, that's always been my, my kind of attitude. My attitude is, well, look, if I don't know how to do it, I'll go and learn, you know. And, and, and that's probably in the management situation as well, you know, and we'll probably go on that a little bit later. If you don't know, you just go and learn. Now, the, the, the confidence comes from actually obviously scoring goals and you know, where you go, you feel very at home. Uh, I, I, I remember, in fact, and this, this, this is this is in fact, I fast forward, guys, a little bit when I do become a manager because I learned when a player is playing, it's got ability but not playing with confidence. I was playing at Nottingham Forest at the time and for the life of me, I couldn't score and I couldn't beat a man. I was thinking, I just don't know quite what it was. And I was training as hard as I could, 23, 24. I played on a Saturday, rubbish got taken off as usual, no good. I was like, I just I don't know what's going here. 
I got a call from Simon Jordan, Chester Palace, wanted to come back. I was in that motor lane and, you know, speeding ticket a lot. I played on a Tuesday night against Grimsby three or four days later and I was a different player. I was now going, I was now having a call to go by somebody, have a shot from whatever angle. So when I go and sign up with a guy, I'm looking also and thinking, you know what, he's got ability, he's got this, he's got that, he's fit. He's just not a fit. You know, and sometimes players are just unfortunately not a fit. A manager or a player, in fact, not a fit for that particular club. That for that for what for whatever reason just doesn't fit. The chemistry's not there, and that's something. That, and I bring that my thought process when I was a player into my coaching and management, and especially when I'm signing players. You know, and Balassi is a great, fantastic story. You know, he's at Bristol. I've known him for years, but I've watched him at Barn. I've watched him a few times. And he was at Bristol City, and I was watching him all pre-season, and he was he was he was very very average guys, but I knew there was a player in there, and he, and there was a there was a burning desire to do well for himself. I knew he'd get an extra training in the afternoons, his own sort of particular coach. So when I seen him in pre-season, he played a pre-season game for actually Bristol Bristol City's reserves. He was he wasn't very good, but I knew if I could get him in an environment that pushed him and thrived him and gave him an opportunity then I believe because of that story my story then you would become you would get the player up there because I'd seen a player before in certain games you know at Barn especially uh, so I, I kind of used that uh, rewind 20 years to, 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 back, to sign players as well that's I mean that's amazing to hear because obviously fans always talk about you know is, is that guy a Palace player you know he's okay he's this he's that but is he a Palace player but obviously there mm. is Something you're saying, there's something very much to that, you know. Is it, is it always is it always something that's tangible? Can you go out and say that is, that's definitely it, or is it? No, I suppose what I'm asking is, it's does it change? I don't think it changes, guys. Look, I can't answer you every question about every single player. Why these players go to Real Madrid and be successful? Some players do, some players don't. Certainly not tangible. And I think. You know, it's like a chemistry, you know, there's a, there's a gut instinct born out of your knowledge of maybe the area or your, your relationship with fans or chairmen or managers or coaches or kit men. That's it all goes down to, it boils into that. You know, it, it, it really does. You know, there's not, you know, all I try to do when I'm taking the manager's job at Christian Palace, all I try to do is just build an environment, guys. Uh, and the culture was made out of hard work. You know, people see me, oh, the culture was just hard work. The culture was just throwing everything at it, turning up every minute of the day, asking every player to turn up every minute, training very hard, uh, keeping everybody away from the training grounds, I banned everybody, you know, I was a, I was a again, Steve Paris and me laugh about it, but I banned everybody, nobody's allowed in my training grounds, don't care who you are, don't care who you used to be, I don't care what agent you are, get out of my training ground, this is mine, in fact, Steve Paris, in fact, you know, it tends to see I'm working, you know, I understand now that's probably not the best thing to do, but it was, that was born, the culture was born, it was a hard work, because I didn't want anybody to fail because uh, the chemistry wasn't right. So it's not tangible, it's the feeling you get, I don't know, guys, when you walk into a wine bar, I'm sure if you do that, or you walk into a, <laughs> or you walk into a pub, or you walk into somewhere where you think, oh, this is nice. This is I tend, to, I tend to run into those. <laughs> yeah, you run in there, with the, or a restaurant you might run into, or a Burger King, or whatever you run into, you think, oh, this is, this is nice, that's, that's what I'm trying to say to you. Okay, um, a little bit of a diversion now. Uh, in terms, it's a sort of fairly, um, fairly common question, really. But, but who's the best player you played with and the best player you played against? 
Best to play against by far is Tony Adams, uh, by far. Uh, I was not in Forest. I thought I was not bad. Yeah, I was mid twenties. I was I was in the Premiership at the time, and it, you know what? It was just an education, guys. It was an education on what not to do for me. So here's me being coached, me being trained, me being up to a certain standard, and I come up against Tony Adams. He just, he just. You know, it's a great learning curve because later in life, I can't get to young strikers to try and position the defender by your movement. So you can position them, uh, you know, by your movement, either by taking a shot to get to come with you, whatever. Now, Tony Adams, the defender, positioned me because of his position. So he taking his position in relation to the ball, and it made me stand in a certain way that I had pretty much no chance of ever getting it. Because if I got it short, he was up my backside taking it off me. If I went long, he, you know, he was actually comfortably heading it back to the goalkeeper, seeing whoever it was. So by far, now there's a lot of good players I played against, but he was just that little bit above everybody in terms of technical ability, control on his back four, no one to push up. Uh, I played against him a few times and pretty much dreaded it. What about... Best um, player? Oh, real hard one. Oh, real, real hard one, guys. Again, you got me in a very good night tonight. I'm actually, I'm actually quite relaxed in life these days. I probably would have answered it a few years ago. <laughs> I don't look back too much, so I can't. I've not got one at the top of my head. I'm not kind of. You played in Lombardo, right? Lombardo was good. He was good. He was. Uh, he was good. He was. He was different. He come from a background where he, uh, he, uh, you know. On the international stage, he kind of knew what he was doing. Ian Wright was good. Oh, I played it. I played it not in Forest. Ian Wright, movement, dedication, enthusiasm. This is what you used to do, Ian Wright. You do shooting practice. Be a line of these four or five and six and seven shots. He'd hit his shot, keep a save, but probably go in the back of the net. He'd run and get his ball and go to the front of the queue. And say, right, you've got to go to the back. And there's a queue. He said, Daddy, I, I don't know. I'm going to keep missing my profession. <laughs> to go to the front of the queue. You see, well, you're actually very close to nearly actually saying, okay, like, come on, it's, it's got to be, a, this is my profession as well. So it wasn't, it wasn't of any malice or anything, it was just, I've got to get in front of the queue. So he's like, I've just been waiting a couple of minutes with my turn. And then he'd go, and he'd repeat it, he'd repeat it, repeat it. <laughs> Dedication was, was, was wonderful. Uh, yeah, Van Hondonk was very good, guys. You know, he's, he's a wonderful player to play with. In fact, the best player I've actually partnership-wise was him because he was the only person that allowed me to play number nine, which truly I wanted to play. Over my career, I was always asked to play number 10 and come and get the ball, but I truly wanted to be a number nine that sniffed goals, and he was the only person I actually played with at the technicality to finally a pass. Uh, and I enjoyed probably my time with him uh, more and I scored both the terms if I thought that you more more because of him. So there's three players there, Lombardo Wright and Van Hondonk, who are players that were a lot, lot better than me and therefore I admired them and probably up my game a little bit. Excellent. 
Yeah, some good some good names. Um, mm. d- during your second spell at Palace, I mean, you, you saw a yeah. lot of managerial changes. I mean, the the, the list yeah. is as long as my arm. I think uh, yeah. arguably the most significant of those was when um, Steve Bruce left and eventually Trevor Francis mm. came in. Um, yep. How was it as a player to sort of have a winning formula change so drastically? You know, is that how does that affect you from going well, from, or taking that momentum mm-hmm. away? Difficult one. He answered, guys, again, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to keep certain things private because it's, it's not, you know, what happens in certain dress rooms you need to keep there. Uh, what I will say about Trevor Francis, there wasn't a lot of people that gave him the opportunity to succeed. You know, he come in and uh, it was very difficult because we did admire Steve Bruce's way of playing. Uh, in fact, the, 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 again, I learnt from this. We had a decent relationship. I, I was okay with him. I'm unsure if he liked my style, which is fine. That's the way it goes in life. I've heard many, many people say that to me. So I can accept that. But there was one thing that I felt that, you know, when he brought an acting by, uh, you know, it wasn't what he said. It was the actions that he'd done by playing him in front of maybe Clinton and myself or your fan who did it. The actions spoke a lot louder than words, and that kind of gave us, I wouldn't say... They call it uh, it kind of just dented our confidence a little bit to say, well, we were always playing. You know, what, what's going on here? And I just felt that was a mistake that he made. But, but actually, as a, as a guy and as a person, you know, I, I was fine with him. I was fine. But I think by that action, bringing in that player, which actually I, I actually understand as a manager how he would do that, but, you know, maybe explaining that, you know, you're not going to play, you're going to play with him in a better way of doing it rather than just bring him in. So... The, the the professional relationship was dead, I think, with the three of us, and hence, I think, the second part of the season, we didn't score as many goals. Uh, Bruce was a different kind of manager. Bruce was pretty much, uh, didn't say a lot to you, trained you during the week. Again, not a, not a coach, a trainer, trained you during the week. Same as Dave Bassett, trained you, kept you quite happy, gave you a kick up the backside if you were late, gave you a pat on the back if you done well. Uh, gave him a strip on a Saturday and says, don't let yourself down. And and, and kind of then, you know, and, and, and if you did let yourself down, gave you a turn backside and gave you a strip back again Saturday. That was his method of management and that kind of suited me a little bit. Okay. Um, look, well, last few few bits. I'm very good at ducking questions, aren't I, guys? That was superb. <laughs> Absolutely superb. I, I didn't even notice until you pointed it out. <laughs> uh, ask him. Ask him again. <laughs> no, um, just a couple of um, couple of things for for your you know Palace playing career that I want to get off uh, get off now. Um, yeah, he's, he's got some pretty amazing goals for us. I can think of a volley against Sunderland is probably my favourite. But uh, mm. have you got a favourite yourself? I have a favourite because I've been answered many times, and I, I'm moving against the grain here and saying. You know, because people say this goal or that goal. It's just a goal that I felt was a, you know, as a, as a hard one. As a, as a player growing up, I, I was playing in the streets of Glasgow, so you play against bigger guys, smaller guys, all range of people. So you'd have to do skill not to get kicked. Because if you held out the ball and, you know, and you, and you get taken off, you're getting kicked. So mind you, to sort of dribble, release it, dribble, release it. So for that reason, as I grew up, I knew that if I was going to make a career, I've got to score goals in six yards ring tap in so that's where the coaching comes in the runs and things like that but the real goals rule you know, the Sunderland goal is a technical goal practice day in day out the goal guys you probably remember I saw the goal against Wolves we won I think we won 3-2 that night 
and I scored a goal where I picked the ball up in my own half and beat a man, dribbled, passed it, got it back, to beat a man one-two, and just slid it under the keeper's legs. That goal to me was 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 from my back in the days when I was from the Glasgow streets, just running around playing football. A very goal that just comes and just come natural, just to beat players and just feel free. So I, I would put that there. And and no, I don't. I get asked quite often. I always kind of go back to that goal because of that feeling. So uh, I know Terence has pretty much an encyclopedic brain with this stuff. Is there something you, you remember? remember Terence, you remember uh, that? It was three two. Yeah, it definitely was. I think the, all the games against Wolves around that time finished three one or three two. It did. Yes, it did. Now, Terrence, I don't know if that was the night I saw the hat trick or it was. I just I, go, I can't remember, but I really I really remember the goal. I really remember where I picked it up in that particular that particular night. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, sorry. So um, my favourites, I think Wolves. A lot of them are against Wolves. Wolves away, the volley straight from the flick on from the goal kick. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both against Wolves in the playoff semi-finals were special goals. That was good. Yeah, that was a fantastic day. That I tell you a story there, terms what happened, mate. Real, real big story in my life. This I played the week before uh, for Crystal Palace against Port Vale. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I get sent off. I, you know, whatever happened, you know, the guy grabbed me. Whatever happened, if we right or wrong, I get sent off. So I'm, I'm sent off, and I'm, I've been told in the dressing room that this was the sort of the last, the last game of the season. If we get to the final when we won't play. And I thought, fuck, I thought, Jesus, I can't, I can't, Jesus, sorry, guy, I thought, I couldn't believe it. I was so low. So I walked through the, I walked through the players' bar, through the bar underneath the stands, up to, you know, the bar when I'm going upstairs or wherever I'm going in my car, and there's 300 Palace fans, as I was every Saturday after the game, having a few beers, discussing the game, and I'm pretty much embarrassed, they're embarrassed, we're in the, we're in the semi-finals, now we come in, whatever we come in, but I'm so low and I'm walking my head, there's maybe one or two tapping their backs and I'm lucky, there's people kind of half no making eye contact with me, I'm thinking, oh, I just felt so low. Rewind seven days later, I scored a couple of goals against Wolves. To, we, won in, we won 3-1. We scored a couple of goals against Wolves. And I walked through the exact same bar and the place is heaving and everybody's tapping me in the back and saying, brilliant. And it just shows you in football and it gave me a huge lesson that, you know, when there's ever an up, but when there's, a, when there's an up, there's a down going to come. When there's a down, uh, you can always wait for an up. That's what football gives you to respond, to react, to, to come back from the dead or whatever you want to call it. And I learnt that very quickly. So whenever I was down in life, I always said, you know what, we're in a corner, this, case, this is the opportunity football gives you. Also as well, maybe too much to my, too, well, my wife says it too much, maybe when there was a lot of ups, I kind of didn't enjoy it enough because I thought to myself, oh, it could be a down in a corner, it's just don't go above your station. But it was a huge learning curve for me, playing that rules game the second time in terms of how much you can, how, what one week in football is like. Brilliant, and I know you want to also touch on uh, Stockport as well. Oh, uh, my favourite! Yeah, my favourite ever Palace game, Dougie. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was there as a teenager. Um, oh, what are your memories of that day? Because we've been getting them shared recently. Aki and Mikel Forsell were sharing them on the official Palace channels. Yeah, talk, well, we have a little talk about his role. I listen, Aki. Just all Aki was is to make up the numbers. Let's get this right here. He tells you put a huge partner, and he brought the ball down and that. I can't even remember him playing. He tells me he used to play for Palace. All I do know is this guy used to try and kick me in training. Listen, a wonderful guy, 
a very, very good player. Didn't get the headlines he should because of what he'd done. Dedication was fantastic. Very good friend to have off the field. And you don't normally get that in football because it's such a... You know, we're all fighting to be the best, have the best contact, have the best... And if you can get somebody off the field like Aki, you know, he's a real good guy. Uh, that game, that particular game, I felt that I owed... You know, that was my first season, guys, back. So I felt I kind of owed Simon Jordan and I owed Stevie Kemba. And I thought, and I just thought to myself, gee, I actually owe these people. So I wasn't, you know, it was a game. And, and it's, it's, it's kind of good to get this way. It wasn't a game that I was, in fact, not a lot of us, even Clinton, that we didn't have any kind of self, you know, agenda or there wasn't any sort of selfishness within that group. I just felt that, you know, I owed it to sort of Simon Jordan and Stevie Kemba. I'm the two people, Terry Billivant as well, my coach at Barnet, and Tristan Palace. And these guys, and let's be very honest with you guys, when you're a manager coach, when you step over that white line, you can't really do a lot. The fans play a bigger part than the manager does. Trust me, guys, all these managers coach the fancy notepads. Yes, we make the substitutes. Yes, we can have a chat at half-time. But the fans, especially the Palace fans, in fact, the fans... Uh, when the players play the biggest part, so I knew stepping over the, the, the line, you, you know, that's a huge responsibility. I felt very good at that stage in my career. I felt very relaxed, very experienced. Uh, we, we, in fact, my most enjoyable, one of my most enjoyable games, one of three, is the couple of days before we went to Portsmouth, and we had to win the game. Nobody remembers that. We had to win the game to have any chance to go to the last game, and we won it so convincingly. Uh, Stevie Kemmer changed it to a diamond, uh, I played up front, you know, I just, I felt great that night. Probably one of my best performances, you know, for the Palace and a Palace shot because of, we won the game, we went into the Stockport game. It's a strange thing I'm going to say to you, but I, maybe just me, but you have a deep, deep, deep sort of belief that you're going to win certain games. And there's other games you think, oh, this is going to be tough. I'm going to try and get my vest. And there's other games you think, oh my goodness, I've actually... We got to just dig in here to keep it respectful. That that's that's where you are as a football player. You got and you and you got to try and get to the stage where you block everything and feel very confident. I've won in that game at Stockport. I felt very confident. No matter what was happening, we were not getting relegated. So we went to the grounds as per usual. Palace fans everywhere. Hot summer's day. I remember big oh, David Hopkins. He could never play in the sun. And I said, Hop, we need you, mate. Get, get factor 50 on that head of yours. <laughs> and you better, you know what I mean? And it is, one of the actual days, he, could never, play, he never played pre-season, guys, never. So one of the days that actually, actually did turn up and play in the sun was, was that game. And, you know, and there, was, there was Clark and goal and there was Smith at the back. There were some players that played key moments and clearing the ball. Aki, of course. Uh, when I scored the goal, guys, it wasn't it wasn't relief. It was more of right. That's that done. I kind of knew that was happening. Right, that's that over and done with. Let's <laughs> I kind of, and, I, and this is where I kind of let myself down. And I try because I'm a far off owner. I try my best to sort of change the way I am. I was pretty much after the game. Right, that's that. Let's look forward to next season. We better start well. We better do this. That we can't be down the bottom again. Which is wrong, guys. Which is wrong, you know. Which is wrong. We should. I should celebrate it more. But that's that was that was me 
maybe is still with me. So that's what I remember of it. That's that job done. Told you that was going to happen. Told you weren't going to get relegated. Well done, Stephen Campbell. Well done, Terry Rovan. There you go, Mr. Chairman Simon John at the time. Uh, fans were fantastic outside the ground, back in the crowd, and very great. But here's me, the player, thinking, what, 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 what's, what, what's the big fuss here, guys? Maybe going back to the question terms, am I 20 or am I confident? I was. You know, I just was. So that, that's how I felt. That's how, that's how I remember. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24 seven, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You were, Dougie, because we were really nice. Yeah, it's, right, it's, like, it's wrong. I'm saying it's, I am saying it's wrong. I am saying it's wrong, but that's, you're asking me how that's I feel. I'm trying to tell you. Do you think David Hopkins was trying to block the sun from his eyes when he, <laughs> he handballed it in it just before you scored? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, hotly us in the summer, I can tell you, the fantastic guy as well. He was. Yeah. I first started winning me hotly. And no word of a lie. He doesn't let me say this, but I don't care. He's, he lives in glasses. He can't beat up no more. He'd get his teeth shut. He'd have a glass of water. He'd old-fashioned have a glass of water beside his bed. And <laughs> uh, his false teeth would go in the water beside the bed. So whenever I woke up when I in a hotel room, when I woke up and I just see his teeth floating in this water, glass of water. <laughs> that was my memories. That was my memories. You know, wow. fantastic, fantastic player. Um... Uh, obviously, uh, Hopkins played a bit internationally as well, as did you. See, mm. Seamless link there. I'm brilliant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Makes up for that intro. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so, um, you only, uh, I think it's incredible you only got uh, two caps. You know, anyone who saw you play mm. would probably be shocked at that. Uh, what do you put that down to? And I know uh, Terence has said that if Craig Brown hadn't res- resigned, he thinks you'd have got more. But what's, what's your views? Yeah, that is nearly a Remember, guys, you know, you're starting to get a little bit of insight. And I'm only doing this for, 
you know, kind of, I wouldn't do this a lot, and I, just because of who I am. I wasn't the most uh, easiest player to manage, put it that way. Certain managers felt it was easy, Dave Bassett, no problem managing certain managers. So when I turn up and play, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 games for them at 21, and Craig Brown then calls me up. What people don't know, he called me up for 10, 12, 15 international games. Now, nowadays, it's only two subs. So here's me travelling to Russia, Moldova, Belgium, you name it, and sitting in the stand, which is which was fine. You know, you're waiting for your chance of training this. I'm a 21-year-old lad who was just... I was on standby for the Euros 96. I was a 23rd fourth man or whatever it is. So I was always nearly there. And then I kind of half snapped about 22, 23, whatever it was, and I just said to Craig Brown at the time, I said, look, listen, wrong guy, again, wrong guy, a mistake I made in my life. Uh, listen, I've travelled everywhere, you know, I, I, I do this, I do that, you know, and I never quite make it, you know, what have I got to do kind of thing? And he said, look, Daddy, I'm a cause, a few players in front of me, I said, well, I think I'm better enough, I just give him a chance. I don't think that went down too well. To be very honest, with you, I just don't think it. I just don't think it did. Uh, a couple of a couple of more games. Uh, I finally got on the bench. True story again. I finally got on the bench. I think right, that's it. <laughs> Here we go. I've waited two, three years. I've been because because I didn't get any caps, but I was I was with the national team for a couple of years. Ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Always in the stand. Uh, Gary McCarthy, Stuart McCock, could never get in the team. So. I get on the bench, I thought, right, I'm on the bench. And it was the game, I can't get I should know this, Estonia maybe turned me out. It was the game that they never turned up. The team never turned up. Remember that? And yeah. Scotland had to kick off. You won 3-0, so, didn't you? No, no, <laughs> the, the team never turned up. Yeah. I, know, I know you probably have a, a, a joke about this, a scary smoke in me, turns to me, get with me here, they never turned up. So, I get changed get my shot on, go back home, thinking, oh, man, is ever going to happen? And then never happened for a few years. I moved away to Nottingham Forest, didn't do so well, and it was a few years later that Craig Byrne in his last game decided to give me a cap when I was very disappointed. But if Volts comes in and gives me one cap, we get beat 5-0 in France and doesn't pick me again. Guys, I do know deep down, and again, it's maybe an arrogance thing, if I went and put up in Scotland, I would get more caps. Yeah. My decision uh, at the time, I, I remember I had a my first time at Crystal Palace, there was an opportunity to go to Glasgow Celtic, which, um, which I never, it was Tommy Bond that contacted me. I never encouraged it, and it never quite happened, but there was communication there. But one of the things was you can get more Scotland caps, you'll be seen, and I just felt at the time, I'd, I'd lived in Glasgow, I wanted to come away, I lived in London, I was at Paris, I was having a good time, and it was something I was willing to sacrifice to continue, probably trying to get to the Premiership, probably trying to get, and it's something, you know, and it's a strange thing I'm going to say here, but in Scotland, the premiership in England is not as big as the premiership in Scotland, believe it or not. And when I was living in London for five, six, seven, eight years, I knew how big the premiership was in England. So here's me, I'm thinking, I want to get there. That's where I want to be. It's the only place to be. It's the only place to play. So I could have possibly get more if I had sacrifice certain things, but I look back and think, that's nice. That's the way it goes sometimes. Okay. Um, so, so it was it was Estonia, and apparently the Scotland fans were singing. There's only one team in Tallinn. So there you go. <laughs> That's it. I think that will happen. 
Okay. Um, let's uh, let's jump into to Palace management time now. Obviously, mm. that that began with um, well, began with the, the spell of administration and um, what happened around yes. that. Terence has just written in our document here that we've been looking at administration stories. So <laughs> I think that's a demand for some administration stories. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, specifically. Uh, sorry, more specifically about you know keeping Spironi and stuff like that after. Shepard yeah, Lester. my goodness. Yeah, that was tough, guys. I've got some, again, never never been told before, because I'm not a storyteller. I don't like to look back, guys, but I'm sure if it's of interest to your listeners, then I can tell you now, but it's not something I, I've never told. Again, and, and when you're going to ask me when I left, it's something I've never told because I've got reasons that I believe it's still. I just kept quiet because, you know what, look, people got on with things and, uh, you know, and, and, and don't sort of look back. Uh, I had the opportunity, I was still playing, and this is one of the biggest sacrifices. And people say to me, you know, listen, Crystal Palace has been good for me, as I have then. So it's been fantastic, you know, for both of us, no doubt. I had many, many opportunities to move on as a player. Especially uh, since Tiger was doing well. The B-30 Simon Jordan at the time, uh, and his dad, you know, they would always make me feel welcome and stay here and always sign new contracts and always sell at home because... When I left the first time round, it was a real... It's something that doesn't happen no more. You know, it's something that doesn't happen. This is... A few phone lads come in, and my mates get sold. Hoppy definitely left, and a couple of my mates get sold. And, and you pretty much... Guys get told you're going to go. So I'd only put a couple of games in the premiership, and I got a phone call from Ron Nodes saying, we've just sold you to Wolves. Now, it's an extremely nasty thing. Like, you don't get a kind of option to say, well, I don't want to go. You kind of... I remember taking the phone call thinking, oh, I'm gutting with that. What, what's, what, you know, is it, well, I've done this, and I've brought that, and I've brought that, and then, you know, it's time to move on. Uh, and, you, and you just kind of think, oh, oh, all right, that's the way it goes. That was the time. The time you get 10% of your money, you move on, and that's it. Very strange. Nowadays, you would... You would you just won't go, you don't go, people actually sit, people refuse. So, you, you know, when I, when I come back and had the opportunity to go, I always felt, you know, people keep me, kept me, I always felt quite well. So, the, the biggest sacrifice I've ever made, ever made, was when I was still playing. I was actually playing at South End, I was really enjoying it. I went from doing the reserves for me, one, under 16 reserves, which was a great learning curve, guys, fantastic, you know, pretty much, me, the Sergio, uh, set of young lads, driving to Aldershot, driving to Cambridge, in the van, uh, Monday night, taking the game, doing what I've got to do, back in training Tuesday morning with the lads, training, playing a Saturday, that was how it was developing, doing my coaching badges. I then went to Leeds, I thought, you know what, I better give it a crack. I went to Leeds and loan, done okay, and then had the opportunity to go a few places. Southend come in, they'd offered me uh, the potential of coaching and whatever management, which which I turned down eventually, but they did. And I felt at home, so I went and played. So when the phone call come that we were in administration from uh, Phil Alexander and Paul Hart was going to be managing, they want you to come and help, you know, in a situation, I gave up playing. And <laughs> it didn't take me, it only took me seconds to say yes. But it's something I kind of thought as the time went on, I kind of regret, I thought I quite regret that a little bit. I actually wish I'd still played. 
But again, the decision was made, guys, in the moment. So the decision was made quite quick. And that's what I kind of do sometimes, think, well, I should have. But the biggest thing I had was not playing. So when I come back, I was actually still thinking as a player, we're in Paul Hart, we're in administration, it's real bad, guys. And I'd been in administration, remember, the first time when Ron Nodes was serving, it was difficult, you know, things were starting to go downhill, serving everybody. I'd seen that side of it. And... and and, and, and when I come back, it was real, it was real, it was desperate. The good characters, Sean Derry, Alan Lee, the good characters, Clint Hill, but it was difficult. But I'd still thought as a player, because I thought myself, well, I'm still a player. I, just, I was playing last week. And that helped me kind of get through being very close to the lads, being very close to them in terms of, what, you know, got to be doing this, you should be thinking about this, thinking about that, demonstrating the training ground, running with them. Not so much training with them, running with them and, getting a few young players and doing this and that, that was my kind of release from actually stop playing. I gave up. I, I gave up. The summer came, we, 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 we miraculously stayed up that day at Sheffield Wednesday. It was such a fantastic day. We stayed up and then the new consortium come in. And that guy sat there, uh, very, very difficult. I sat there in the summer. Remember, guys, I've just returned. Kind of retired, retired myself a little bit from playing, so I'm sitting in the office. We just stayed up. Paul Hart's contract that was it done. Uh, administration, uh, 72 people lost their job that week. There was the groundsman, there was Chris, the secretary, there was Phil Alexander, there was me on the staff. My contract had run out in three weeks' time because it was a kind of playing contract. It was playing, it was up until the 31st of May, and we just sat there. and I thought, I just you know, I'm thinking, do I play, do I stay, what, what, what do we do, what, how do we get on with this here? What had happened then, instincts just taken in, Play, people were trying to take the players, people were trying to make the players, I won't go into names guys, people were trying to, I was getting phone calls, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and I just pretty much rolled my sleeves up. Dan Ambrose, he was a cute guy, a medical, I remember being on the phone for a bit of chair, I was with him just telling me exactly what the club means, what it means to him, what it means to you, what it means to us. Joan uh, Spinoni, again, guys, I won't go into the detail because he's very private. Joan's a very private guy, and, you know, we got on very well. But that was that was, that went deep, that went real deep, and he stayed. And I convinced him to stay, and I convinced one or two that we stay. Guys, remember, they didn't get paid. They weren't getting paid at the end of the month with the administration, but somehow I persuaded them to stay and pretended that there was a consortium coming in. Now there was a few, but I didn't meet anybody. I didn't know anything. So in the end, uh, I'll lighten up a little bit. I get a phone call from, I'm on the phone to Darren Ambrose, and I get a phone call from the groundsman in my office. And the groundsman says, Dougie, I need some authorization to spend £40,000 in grass seed to let the grass streets over the summer. And I said, look, I'm on the phone to Darren Ambrose. I'm trying to actually keep up the club. Give me a minute. He said, no, no, I need to know now. So I said, Darren, can you hold the line one minute? I said, look, listen, get the grass seed. I'll give you the 40 quid. Make sure the grass seed. Not knowing what's going to happen, guys. I put that phone down, picked up my mobile phone back at the Darren Ambrose. That's where we were at that time. We just, we were talking 40 quid, guys, for grass seed. We were talking to Akiba. Now, that summer persuaded me that I've got to stop playing and I got into some sort of management or coaching because I was getting a buzz from... I don't know, hustling, hustling people, hustling, you know, just persuading them, hustling, stay here, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I then meet the consortium, uh, you know, we, we all know 
you know, the guys come in, save the club, or the fans kind of save the club, and then Steve Parsons can sort of come in and kind of put the money there and away they go. Uh, Lucky enough for myself, they wanted me to be part of it. George Burley come in. Uh, I got an opportunity to coach, which was great. Possibly leaning towards not playing no more, you know, thinking that that's that done and getting to sort of coaching and really enjoying it. George Burley was the right appointment at the wrong time. Unfortunately, George had come out of a situation in Scotland where it, it was very, very tough, national boss, it was very tough, and I think he needed a longer break. I think he was still a little bit tired from it. And he wasn't, had been in the Championship. The Championship had moved on as it did over three or four years. Unfortunately, that, that, that resulted in George not being successful. Uh, and then Steve Powers, you know, sacking him and then taking the reins for a few games. Guys. So that's where it all kind of started. Who did you? Did you? Who who sort of um, raised the idea of, of you getting the job full time first? Did you have you know? Did you have to suggest that? Uh, no. What I what I'd done is you remember get had a little bit of kind of self doubt a little bit. I'd just been playing six seven months ago. I'd been part of a not a very successful team. It was at the bottom on the bottom. I think at the bottom in fact. I well down at the bottom, and I was a little bit kind of sheepish. I was a little bit thinking to myself, you know. A little bit kind of think myself, you know, what should I do here? There was, there was a very, very tough transfer room guy, Paddy McCarthy, Jones, Maloney, Kleine, we could be a little sod at times, you know, he was hard to manage. Uh, there was big players in there, uh, Everson up front, Pablo Canago, Claude Davis, and I'd seen a few names, and Steve Parrish was interviewing a few people, and I was thinking, you know what, maybe I actually go and have a few years with the family, you know, I'll, I'll let Steve talk to a few people, and let him get on his job in the meantime I'll try and win a few games and keep things ticking over and hand over to somebody like that was my thinking I was never put my name in that was my thinking and it was a few weeks later I had a chat with Steve and I said to him very very relaxed well, what are you thinking and he told me and I said Steve look you know you've got to be careful it's a very tough gesture and he knew that you know he, he there's some big characters in there and I said you know, it needs a little bit of kind of managing here I said look you know what I'll do it and it's very simple as that I'll do it and he kind of was taken back a little bit and he said, right, what do you mean, you, you'll do it? He said, yeah, and he said, you sure? I said, I'll do it. Kind of thing, I can't just, I'll do it, I'll get on with it, I'll do it, because there's, there's characters in there, I kind of have to know them. And he said, well, look, I like the idea. Uh, I have been interviewing a few people, let me just sort out a couple of bits and pieces, talk to the other guys. And then he just called me the next day and he says, right, go, you're sure you're on it, you've got the job. And that was it, guys. There wasn't even any kind of thing contract. I never signed a contract. I never done nothing. Kind of just. And it'd be fair to Steve Pice, that particular season was fantastic. I mean, just left me alone. Left me alone. Let the manager and the coach coach. I brought in Lenny Lawrence. And we just spent, guys, day in, day out on that training ground to very proudly turn around the worst defensive record in the whole four leagues. Uh, we turned it round to be one of the best in that six months and it was just sheer hard work of discipline and organisation and then that's how it come around quite natural quite relaxed about it uh, meant to be kind of thing I think, it's what we wanted, I think it's what we wanted to see as fans you know every every set of fans dreams of having you know a club legend take over and, and take the helm and I think you know, we were very comfortable mm-hmm. to see that happen the guys at the time you know it was very difficult for myself because I was I uh, I didn't, I didn't want to be forceful and abuse my power and, and abuse, well, I'm going to do this. I think that's, you've got to have a fine line with that. You know, you, you, you can't, 
you know, oh, because I've done this, I deserve this. That's now it works in football. It's certainly how it works in my world, you know. Uh, it's no, it's no something, you know, I don't feel comfortable with that, or because I scored a gold stop, I become the manager. It's certainly something, you know, I never said. Uh, it, it just come natural, you know. I had a good relationship with Steve at that particular time. You know, he was, he, he, he was concerned, so, you know, we, we, we would talk about, you know, I think we played Swans and we could beat him. We've got to do this, we've got to do that. You know, obviously it's difficult, Steve, we've got to think about this. So, you know, when I kind of say, two weeks later, guys, I just said, Steve, I'll do it. I remember, I remember, I remember it in the office, I said, I'll, do, I'll, I'll go on Because I was scared in case somebody come in that didn't know what they were doing, they didn't have any time. You know, and I was, here's me thinking to myself that, and I didn't know if I could do it, to be honest with you. I didn't know if I could do it, but I just knew I had a little experience the year before staying up. I kind of a little bit of respect in the dressing room. I kind of persuaded Ambrose and Spironi to stay, so there was a little bit of love there with us, and I just felt that, you know, that, that's, that's where we are. Uh, the real, the real, it really hurt me, guys, a few days later. Uh, you know, remember, I've had a lot of notes. I've studied the game for 10, 10 years before that. You know, I've been all in the world studying and getting prepared. Didn't actually think it would come as quick. So when I got my notes, I would say, like, points of kind of key factors of what you got to do when first taking over. Uh, number one, trust. Trust, well, trust you don't play for the end of story. That's it done. You can't coach them. You can't talk to them. Uh, point two, get the, the core players in the group and, the, and see the managers and, and go through the core players, what the rules are and what the, the aims are and what the vision is and then let them spread it to the group of players. I said, Paddy McCarthy, Paddy, come in here. I said, go and get the four leaders and bring them in here. Paddy McCarthy came in with John Speroni. Paddy McCarthy walked in the door and said, it's me and John. Sean Berry, Alan Lee, Clint Hill had gone the year before. Dan Ambrose was not a leader off the pitch, he was more, more inspiration on the pitch. So, there, there lies my task, guys, straight away, two guys. Over the last three, for maybe, maybe 18 months, every player I signed had to be a leader. So, i.e. Dame Delaney comes in, Mary Jiddick comes in, Glenn Murray come in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, guys, too, when I left the football club and I actually asked for the same, but when I was one of my last couple of months, I'd get the group in of core, the core group to say that this is what I'm thinking. There was nine or ten of them in the room. There was nine or ten in the room. I remember I'm thinking, that's what's changed around. The fundamental success here has changed around by the amount of role models, leaders, whatever you want to call them, uh, winners. It went from two to eight or nine. Now, don't get me wrong, the Sahas and people of that you know, they weren't in the room at the time, but they were fantastic on the pitch, but they needed to have some day-in, day-out rules drilled into them. I had eight or nine people doing that for me. And obviously, um, the, core, the core group is pretty much still there, but you, you mentioned Glenn Murray in there, and I know Terence yes. has, has um, got a question about Glenn, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so just quickly harking back to the defence, the change you made in the defence, you might not know, you have a club record, uh, eight clean sheets on the bounce at home. I can't see that ever being broken any time soon. Guys, it was just a, te- it was a technique. I'd left, I said, I've got that bit of bone on you. I studied in Italy, and I, that's what I've done in my study. And every summer, two or three weeks over in Italy, AC Milan, Bologna, Lazio, everywhere, and I just studied a structure. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what, who, whatever fan, you've got to have a structure. So whatever it is, some like it, some don't, and we just got a structure in there. We went five yards deeper, 
they're five and a half yards narrower, two sitting midfielders sucked, they sucked a, a, a wingers in, not to be a flat four, to play in our moon shape, that's the key to it, to play Balas, uh, Saha, the particular arrows in a moon shape, so therefore they can spring an attack. That was putting them, that was putting them day in, day out, uh, for the next, for, for the, for the, for, for, for every single day, in fact, they put it into them. Uh, I had to touch on Glenn Murray if we want to jump onto that. When we'll, when we'll, we're, uh, when we'll we're getting to hopefully stay in the division, I also had to sign scout for next year. You know what I mean? So I was scouting for, I was trying to scout for next year and keep them in the division. That was the hardest thing. Uh, so I don't know if you want to ask me the Glenn Murray story, which uh, Glenn Murray signing, which was pretty much, pretty much. Uh, my first real sign at the football club. I'll know the first real sign, but the first one that made the biggest impact. It was um, five years ago today, actually. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my question was, what um, what was the main difference between the first season and the second season? What did you do with him for him to enable him to come so prolific in the second season? Glenn, Glenn was the healthy man's guys. You know, I wasn't the guy either. At the time, we had a good relationship, but he was hard to manage. He wasn't very professional. He thought he thought it was. Uh, can I say this nicely? He thought it was a Glenn Murray show, which which it wasn't. He questioned some professional techniques of mine. He, you know, I mean, that's what Glenn's very difficult to manage. He'd still scored a few goals, but guys, people, I could drop him. I could leave him like a few squads. He, he was he was a guy tech, but listen, I'm the same. I'm I'm of the same thinking of Glenn. I was the kind of same mentality as a player, so I knew his thinking. I knew what I had to do. So I remember one game, I left him at the squad, told me have a weekend with his wife uh, and baby in Brighton, and go and, and go have a nice ledger walk on down the pier. Uh, I knew inside him it was killing him, but he put a brave face on his smile and said, "That'll be nice, Gavin. Thanks very much." I said, "No problem. Off you go." And I left him at the squad. And he come back the Monday morning, and, and, and I didn't know this. I was hoping this, and the reaction exactly what I got. He trained a little bit harder, and I told him that, well done, you trained a little bit harder. I said, uh, but no hard enough. So have another week with your wife, inviting to you. And I see him in the morning, and it was killing him deep inside. Uh, trying to come back, trained a bit harder, and followed a few people in terms of professionalism. That's that was it. He come back that pre-season. No, sorry, about it. He was always a he was always a very very good player, but he didn't have the mentality. To, he didn't have the mindset to go with. He's a a good player. All I did was manage it up. You know, manage the team together. I'd seen Glenn for many years in the lower leagues. Uh, sometimes I see him a fat back side. Sometimes I see him quite good. Uh, I watched him for the last time playing at Dagen and Ledbridge with Tony Popovich. Uh, the game was nil nil until the seventh minute. He did not move a muscle, and I was I was thinking I've watched you. I know you're good. You're a free transfer. You're a good target man. You'd be good if we kind of we can play off you on Garvin Saha. And you're always going to try and get a winger on our side. And you're going to sell Scanner Ambrose. I need I need you know I need this kind of player. Seventy uh, fifth minute, he volleyed one from the volleyed one from the edge of the box. That was it. I stood up walked up the ground and literally hounded them for the next six weeks. Nan hounded them. Uh, <laughs> pretending I was flying from Gatwick every five minutes to stay sort of down there making an excuse to go and see them. 
uh, and eventually we got it's a wonderful sign for the club ah, definitely um, and, and you know left the club um, you know with, with a huge reputation and shame he's uh, not got some more games since he did leave um, okay we're going to yeah. we're going to get into um, into you know the questions uh, we, that I suppose we've got probably the most um, contact on mm-hmm. um, so in it, I'm just basically going to hand this over to you in your own words I think is probably the mm-hmm. best bet you know if you left the club to, to go manage Bolton I think the general reaction from the fan base is one of a sort of shock at the time and a, and a lot's been said and speculated about so obviously there's things that you you'll want to keep close and, and, and not talk about but in your own words how what was the situation from your perspective not guys listen I've, I've never spoke about it never will because the decision was solely my decision uh, born out of the kind of you know what I was feeling at that particular time let me put it on record it was the wrong decision, and I do regret it, but it was made by myself and only me, you know, it wasn't forced or pushed or anything like that, it was made by myself. Now, the reason I will keep it private, and hopefully it's respected, because I never wanted to harm the football club by saying anything, because whatever I said could be taken out of context and twisted and, and maybe levelled at somebody else at the football club, and that's not my game at all. And at the particular time of leaving, I could have easily, you know, made up with any pairs and say whatever. That that is not. I've never done it, and never will do it because the club's on the momentum, uh, and I've always kept it that way. There was nothing uh, for me to leave the club. Looking back, I sometimes question myself. I was very ambitious, uh, very you know, strong-willed, hard-headed. Could not take a no. I could not take a no. Uh, you know kind of thought I was King Kong, you know, thought I could fight the world, and that's it, it's my way or no way. Uh, wrongly, you know, very wrongly, so that was, you know, uh, you know, putting everything aside. The disappointing thing for me, and it's, and it, and it's happened time and time again, I won't say anything more on this, for me is that the decision was only made over 24 hours, I didn't have enough time to think, and that's what happens in football sometimes. It was pretty much, you know, Bolton of, of, of made an inquiry, They've paid a, a bond or a fee, whatever you call it, a, a, you know, paid whatever money. Uh, you get the license to talk to them. Uh, I spoke to them, and and I, and I, you know what, guys, I spoke to them, and I went to the movies that night thinking the, the, the night before I went to the movies, thinking I don't even know what I'm doing here. I spoke to him, and he told Phil Gart said, "God rest him," played me like a kicker. He told me everything that I wanted to hear. And the decision was made. Guys, never told anyone this before. I went in the next day, told Steve, with a huge argument, you know, that's the way it goes. Went in the training ground, said by the lads, you know, there was a lot of tears, drove at the training ground, and, 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 I can't don't feel sorry, it's just a fact, you know, you know, cried the whole way about up to Bolton. Always think, should I turn around, but my stubborn head says, no, keep on going. I knew I made a mistake. I knew I made a mistake, guys. The first day I was at Bolton, the first training ground, the first training session they're taking, about maybe a week later, six seven days later, I knew I'd made a mistake. But the person I am, the person you know, I still am. That's just me, you know. I just that's it. I've told you before. You've got a little bit to get to know me. Because sometimes I get wrong, sometimes I get right. That's just me, uh, and and that's it. Away I went. And again, kept things very, very quiet because I don't think there's no need to say anything because 
the club had done nothing to harm me, they'd done nothing, why should I do it to harm them? They were a fantastic runner at the time. You know, there's a lot of respect there for the players. To this day, to this day, guys, I'm still, you know, close to one or two of them, very close. So, you know, there was, there was nothing for me, you know, you know, to say there. I think we'll, um, I just want to leave that with, with your words so the listeners can just listen to that and without my, without my mm. comment on it. But, um, mm. so, um, uh, we were also asked by a lot of people, I just want to name check a few people. You've answered their question in there. Um, Trevor, Tudor, Lisa, Jamie Seekings, Ian Lyons, Ian Noble, and loads of others about whether you actually regretted it. And it's interesting that, that mm. you know, regret was almost your, your, your first emotion. But, yeah, um, I did. No, yeah, I did. It's no, I did. There's a no here yeah, I'm in a good place in life right now. For the first time, I think, in a long, long time, I'm having a, a fantastic... I've cleared a lot of crap from my head, a lot of bullshit that goes with football, and I'm in a real good place. So, again, you've caught me in a good time right now to you know, tell you exactly how I'm feeling, which I'm fine with. Good stuff. Well, the last the last bit then um, on, that, sort of on, on that side of things was... Um, Again, people contacting us about the, the story that reported that your involvement in the leaking of Cardiff's team to mm. Palace, Ian Moody texting you, all this kind of stuff. Uh, again, mm. something in your own words about that. I don't want to lead you into mm. anything. Again, you've got to be very careful. What I can say is, uh, I'm going to be very careful here. Lies. There's a lot of lies in there. I kind of stick up for myself. I need to be very careful because there's some people have got big, they'll uh, have, they came out in back pages and big national papers, so, you know, they wrote, some people wrote lies. Uh, I was put in a very, very, very difficult position uh, by an agent who had told, uh, who told me that Wilfred Saha was playing, and I said to him, I know that because I've been sent a text. I put the phone down. And that's an agent, I think he's banned, in fact, told, uh, told Steve Paz, told the papers, whatever. And next minute I'm getting phone calls. I did receive a text. I did it, and I had to act, and I actually spoke to Steve Paz on that morning to explain that. What had come out was a lot of lies in terms of how it come around. Again, I can't, I've got to be careful what I say, but, you know, I'd, I'd spoke to Steve Paz the next morning explaining he was fine with it, so I think from Palace's end and he taking appropriate action I think I need to leave it there yeah no there you go very very, di- very disappointing thing for me that very disappointing couldn't really come out and see what's really going on but the one person I did speak to was Steve Paz straight away explained that and he was he was he was uh, understanding of it there you go. I, had it. Cardiff, I had a few cardiff players alone at the time very very difficult no it's, it's, it's just important that people Understand that yeah, they've got mis-con- misconception about that. And yeah, I guess it normally happens in football. It's very, very difficult football. You know, the people write stuff, and nine times out of ten, there's not a lot of proof in it. But for for me, explain stuff over and over. You kind of dig a bigger hole. You know what I mean? So to to leave it sometimes and to be the hero, that's where we are. Uh, that that's what I have to be with. Okay. Now, yeah, just going to say, funny you mentioned that you went to the movies when you got the, the Bolton offer, because when I found out the oh, next no. day, I got the text saying you'd gone, I was actually standing about five yards away from Tom Cruise, and I won't repeat what <laughs> I shouted out on, because <laughs> quite expletive written, and um, I think even he was yeah. going, but you know, it's, 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 it's not, you know. Yeah, listen <laughs> guys, you know what, you know what, you make some decisions in life, 
again, I'm not going to go through it. There was a lot in my head. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd pretty much be, well, tried to be tapped up every month for the last 18 months ago. I turned an apprenticeship job. I turned an apprenticeship job, um, literally three months before it. Uh, the end of that, they seen before I turned in an opportunity to manage a friendship because I said to them, go through the right channels, and they didn't, so that was it then. So, you know, there's a lot going in my head, and, and when I'm gutted myself, is it was, it was a, you only get 24 hours, you get to talk to somebody, you make a decision, and think, is that right? That was it, you know, and there's a lot going in my personal life as well. We'd move, we'd move from Essex to Southern, I wasn't happy, anyway, anyway, we'll going on about that. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the future. I was going to talk a bit about Bolton and Forest, but to be honest with you, you know, it's, it's a Palace show. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm sure, well, reading between the lines and knowing what football is like, it does suggest that probably both clubs you were promised things that didn't materialise. Yeah, listen, Bolton very quickly, very disappointing. A terrible atmosphere. A lot of players been a long time. Fans had used to premiership football and they thought they were just beginning right. Phil Gutson was wonderful. Uh, that was one of the good things that came out of that experience, uh, knowing a man that's got some values and morals and you know, in the end, you know, put his hand up and didn't say what it's supposed to be ten. Not in a forest, wonderful club, uh, and a, and a, an embargo. Try my very best, but unfortunately, you know, you don't always see eye to eye or people we understand that football in this country is a little bit different from maybe, you know, from what, what a foreign owner expects and the best thing that happened to me was shaking hands and moving on. Guys, where am I right now for the first time in a long, long time? And this is what people don't appreciate that 25 years in football, uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm decluttering, I'm, I'm learning, I'm, I'm finishing a degree at uh, university, I'm taking the kids to school, uh, I'm looking for opportunities, but opportunities suit me. I'm very passionate about education. I've got an education company that I found four years ago now. It's, 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 it's good. And I'm building that because I've got passion to build that right now. Always will love football. And if the right opportunity comes up, then wonderful. If it doesn't, then there's nothing better than any Saturday. Uh, taking my boys to a match, a couple of hot dogs in a programme, that's where I am right now. Oh, fantastic. So, on last bit on the future then, we've had a few questions in about this, uh, mm. probably summed up brilliantly by uh, Rob Sutherland of, of Five Year Plan, who got a fanzine on the, on the podcast. Uh, they've said, if Alan Pardew asked you, would you consider returning to Palace in some capacity? Again, we, we don't talk about what's going on in the past. You've asked me sort of questions. I know really I, I don't look back and I don't answer questions that have never that have not been put to me by Pardew. Oh. That's the that's only way to answer it. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not the right way to, to, to leave it. Listen, I have got a very good relationship with uh, the board there. Um, you know, Pardew is a fantastic manager. You know, he's done very well. Uh, uh, you know, to, to, to you know, hopefully he's taking, you know, we're talking right now, not taking yet, but he's taking the club to the next level. I'm sure he's got enough eyes in this round him, there's enough powers people there to have that support. Uh, I'm always I'm always in the back of my mind, you know, thinking, you know, looking out for the results and I've always got a huge listen, let me just finish on this. This is this is something that didn't explain to Palace fans. Whenever we're in any administration there was there was a 
small core group of fans that would turn up that drizzly night on a Tuesday night. You know, things were going okay. We were in administration, and it's the same as our final at Wembley. All of a sudden, there was an influx of past, present Palace fans making groups on social media. I was there, remember, I'm looking, I'm thinking, what's going on here? And I could see it growing. That same core group of fans going to the heart of London and, and let's just save the club. Let's make no mistake of it. We get together, we get a bit of momentum, we move up the leagues, we get promotion, we're in the premiership, and people are seeing these wonderful, wonderful fans. They've always been there. That's what kind of, that, I'm, I'm screaming at match of the day sometimes when I hear people say that. They were there when the club was in administration. So they didn't just turn up at the FA Cup final on Saturday. They didn't just turn up when, when, when it's Man City or Chelsea in town. They were there, and that's that's what will always attract me. And the same thing that attracted you when I way, way back and whenever I signed and you know, there was an attraction there. That will never, ever go away. Now, there might be certain fans out there that think they say, well, I was disappointed that happened, but you know what? You make decisions in your life and you've got to move on. Some are happy, some are not happy. I can't change that. I've explained you know, roughly where I'm at and where they're at. I'll always have a correlation because nobody can take away the things that were done and the things that were put in place. And that's what I'm happy with, with fans that didn't just jump on the bandwagon. They were there when the times were really, really tough. That's what always has that closeness with me with the fans. Okay, thanks, Dougie. We'll uh, we'll leave it there with those words. That's brilliant. Um, mm. okay. Obviously, I think Good the luck, um, guys. cheers. Thanks a lot. I just I think I, obviously. Go on, go on, Terence. I know you. Got, yeah, I, I oh, just want to say once. So sorry, sorry. It's a bit embarrassing you a bit, Dougie. But I just want to thank you for everything you've done for the club. And um, as a fan, you've given me memories that I'll remember. I'll be talking about Stockport on my deathbed to my grandchildren, yeah, boring and stiffless. So. Thank you. Yeah. No, listen, Terence, listen, thank you. Listen, it's nice that you say that, but let me just leave you with all. So it was a, it was a, it was a group. It was, it was the fans running on the pitch afterwards. It was the, the atmosphere that we created at Portsmouth. It was the, you know, the Clint Morrises and the Aki's. There was a few, isn't it? Uh, we all dig in again. And that's what's happening right now. You know, I, 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 I don't want to say who I was texting the weekend, but I was to explain it to people, you know, it's very, very good times ahead and, Although that was great to look back to, you know, you have a very, very, you, you, you support the team there that's going to have ups and downs, but that's part of it, and that's part of the journey, and that's 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 nice that you say, but I'm sure you have, I'm sure you have more memories, mate. I'll just, if we're getting in, thanks. Can I thank you for Brighton three-one at the Amex as well? So that's my favourite thing ever. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Put that on there. That, not many people know that. No, I go, I say, this is my, this is a very proud moment with the Palace manager. We go there, we beat the, the first team to one at that, at Brighton, the new, the Amex, as you say, we're the first team to one there, and we've done it with Johnny Williams, Scannell, and Saha behind the Glen Murray. So three young guys that was, it was a, I, was, I felt that it was, it was a big relief when we won because it was a difficult decision. But the three guys uh, from the youth team pulled up to the reserves into the first team that actually done that. That was a very proud moment. Definitely. That was, that was the night I knew that Mile Jednak was a player. He was mm. brilliant that night. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. I thought, uh, again, I thought the three youngsters behind them were just, you know, they, they, they ran and they, they tried and they... You know, and at that stage, guys, just touching last little bit, you know, I explained it when the national club at the weekend. That was a tough decision to let Sean Scanner go. 
Now that that boy was with me night and day for many many years, many years, uh, on and off the pitch. You know, I had to look after that kid off the pitch as well. So to make the decision to sell him uh, to get the money for Balassi was was. You know, it was, it was again, it was, a, it was a very, very difficult time for me. And these are the little factors you, you build up, you know, when you leave the football club, you think, you know, these are tough, tough decisions. To have a guy that's pretty much, you know, I'm on the phone, you know, just night and day with a kid, and, and to tell him that you're serving him, to Huddersfield and explain to him, you know, you're going to bring in another player in his position and you won't play as much. That was a, that was that was heartbreaking for me to do a little bit. Now I know Balas has been a success, and that's great for everybody. But you know that that group of players, Saha and Williams and Scarrow, was a moment that I was very proud of because I knew these young guys. I knew them since a young age, and to go to Brighton, arrivals and you know, everybody was thinking, "Oh, they won nine in a row." We went and won. Very very proud moment. Dougie, that's been fantastic. I just thank you so much for talking to us. Okay. And from no the bottom of my heart, I really hope you. that we see you another time soon. Okay, guys. I wish you all the best for this uh, for next season. Good luck with your station. Yeah, Dougie, take care. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.